Are you hard on yourself when you can't seem to get anything done? We dive deep into this topic on this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Benny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Elder Health Connection. This week we are taking a break from interviews from all the lovely guests that you've been hearing lately and getting back a little bit more into some of the coaching topics. And this one's been on my mind lately because I feel like I've had a very unproductive summer and these ideas of not getting anything done, what's causing it, you know, am I being lazy? Am I procrastinating? Do I need the recovery time? What is it have all been swirling in my head? And I know this is something that a lot of people go through. I hear it from my patients and clients a lot as well that They feel like they're not getting enough done. They don't have time to get everything done. They're struggling to keep up with what's expected of them, regardless of their circumstances. So, you know, sometimes it's people whose lives are quite full on paper who are struggling to get things done for their health. Sometimes if you were to look on paper, It's people whose lives don't look full at all, but still are having a hard time keeping, keeping up and getting done what they think needs to get done. So we will try to tease this out a little bit. I think the first thought I go to for myself, and maybe you do as well, is laziness. So am I just being lazy? when I'm not getting things done. And I think especially for those of us who live in the United States where productivity is valued very highly, where our value as people often is seen as coming from what we do, not who we are, that not doing work can be really challenging because it it's a character flaw. It reflects negatively on us. And this is something that I've been working on disentangling this belief in myself for about three years now of recognizing that my value is in who I am and not necessarily what I do. And so I'll let you just think about that for a moment, about how you define your value in the world. And is it very much based on the things you do, the work you produce, 
favors you give, actions you take, or is it just in being who you are? And it's a big shift to go from a an action work-based value to a beingness value. Um, but it's one that I've found to be very valuable for myself. And that's also helped me be much more caring and compassionate towards other people when I value them for who they are and not what they do. So that's all to set up that laziness is not necessarily a bad thing. So choosing not to do work, whatever we define as work, isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I'm very okay with it if it's consciously chosen. So if you decide to have leisure time, if you decide not to work, not to do whatever task, that is okay. It doesn't mean that it's without consequence necessarily, but just choosing not to work in itself can be a very beautiful thing. Now, just a story about consequences. Back when I was doing physical therapy at the bedside in the hospital, I had a patient who very consciously chose not to literally not to move. So he retired and I don't remember what his work was, but he decided that with his retirement, he had earned the right to just sit on the couch all day and not move. And he ended up developing DVTs or blood clots in both of his legs. So a, kind of an extreme example of a consequence, but he did own that conscious choice that he wasn't going to move, but there can still be consequences to our choices as with anything. Now on the flip side, people who consciously choose leisure or not to work often have much better outcomes if they've been overly stressed before. So um, choosing to build in time, literally block time for thinking or for nothing can be very beneficial. Blocking play time can be very beneficial in overall happiness and health. I think what's more, at least for me, more important to think about instead of laziness when I'm not getting something done is procrastination. And I think a lot of times I label myself as lazy when I'm really procrastinating. And so procrastination is when we put off a task and put it off and put it off and put it off. And I am no, no stranger to this. And I think procrastination all, often comes from some sort of discomfort. And sometimes it's a good discomfort when we're stretching and growing ourselves and need to be pushed out of the comfort zone to achieve a goal. Sometimes it's the bad discomfort though, when it's something we really don't think we should be doing or are uncomfortable with in the sense that it might not align with our values or with our goals. So I think the first thing with procrastination to think about is, am I uncomfortable 
And is it because I'm stretching myself and a little bit vulnerable or is it because it's something that really doesn't align with me and I don't want to be doing? I've also found that procrastination compounds over time. So the longer I put something off, the more desire I have to continue putting it off. And then it grows and grows in my mind and ends up taking up a lot of mental energy of just thinking about doing something and not actually doing it. And when we have this procrastination and discomfort, we have a few options for how to move past it. So if we think it's the good kind of discomfort where, you know, we are ready to stretch ourselves and try something new and maybe be a little bit vulnerable with the intention of improving ourselves, then we need to find a way to embrace that discomfort and do it anyway, which sometimes is easier said than done, but this is certainly something we can work through in a coaching conversation or ways you can strategize yourself with how you have done difficult things in the past, how you've embraced discomfort before and gotten things done. If it's uncomfortable in the sense that you know it's important, but it's really not in your core skill set to do, there's always an option to delegate it. So there are plenty of things that I struggle to do. I can do them, but they're not the easiest for me to do. Delegating can just take a whole lot of pressure off off me and it can lead to a better, quicker result. So for example, I, I knew I could learn how to edit a podcast, but I decided to delegate it to Christy, who's a wonderful editor. And it is a much better product with much less angst on my part and well worth the investment. Now, we don't always have to pay someone we delegate. Sometimes it's just determining appropriate roles in a partnership, in a work setting, in a social group where the tasks that you are assigned align with your strengths and the ones that you delegate are aligned with the strengths of the person you're delegating it to. And it is just amazing how much easier life is when we are doing things that align with our strengths and goals. The third option for moving past procrastination is choosing not to do the task. And again, like with the conversation around laziness, this is very okay to do if it's consciously chosen. And if you choose not to do something, I would encourage you to make a very clean decision where in a way that this task isn't going to continue to linger in your mind is something you think you should have done or there are loose ends that you haven't tied up or you haven't made it clear to people who need to know that you're not doing the task. And this is particularly good if the task no longer aligns with your goals, if it never aligned with your values in the first place, if it was something that 
you know, got your spidey senses up. So again, be a very conscious in this choice not to do it. Don't just kind of do the ostrich syndrome of pretending that it's not there. I would empower you to be brave and decisive. Now, the last thing we have to think about with not getting things done is recovery. Do I need to not be doing tasks or work or exercise or whatever it may be because I need to recover? I find that recovery is the hardest factor to recognize. And I think it goes back to, again, this cultural priority of work and productivity with very little language around recovery. I don't know if you've had this experience too, but we might know that we're not feeling our best. We might know we're not maybe in the picture of health and vibrancy, but we don't know how poorly we've been feeling until we start to feel better. That can also be a piece where we miss the recovery part because if we feel like we're not doing anything, sometimes we feel like we don't need to recover from not doing anything. So how do we start to recognize this and reconcile it? One tool I found extremely helpful in understanding my body's stress and recovery cycle is using the the heart rate variability function on my Garmin watch combined with the scissors platform, which we talked about quite in depth in episodes four and five of this podcast. But basically what it does is heart rate variability is a very real-time measurement of your body's stress. And so when your heart rate is beating very consistently, like a metronome, your body is actually in more of a stress state. And when there's a little bit more variability in your resting heart rate, then your body is more in a relaxed state. And what these devices and this technology does is it gives you a graph of when in the day you're stressed, when you're recovered, what your trends are over time. And in this particular platform with Garmin, they give a body battery score, which is basically your amount of energetic or stress reserve for the day. So having all of this information has helped me to figure out both in real time and looking back, what, when does my body really need recovery? So sometimes I didn't recognize how stressed I was on a given day. And then I realized that I need to recover the next day. And then again, it becomes a conscious choice to recover that day and to keep myself from getting sick or injured. If you are interested in learning more about these devices, you can 
check out my health insights program. It's on carolinemorris.com under the work with me tab. You can choose health insights and I'll put a link in the show notes for more information. I'll also link to episodes four and five, which give a much more comprehensive overview of this type of recovery monitoring than we can do here today. So if you don't have a device right now that tracks heart rate variability, what are some other clues into your body's need for recovery to think about? So I think fatigue is a big one and a lot of us are tired a lot of the time. And if we can start to tease out the different types of fatigue. Now I just have to pause and give you all a real time update. So my watch is buzzing at me that I am stressed and need to take a breath and relax. So this is another way this technology can give us real time insights into our body's stress system and our need to recover. So after we wrap, I will take some time to do some slow, deep breathing before getting on with my day. All right, so fatigue can be physical, it can be cognitive, or it can be emotional, are kind of three large categories. Now, physical fatigue to me feels like when I'm sick and just walking across the house is exhausting. It also could be after exercise where my body is just tired, but in general, my mind is a little bit sharper. It's just my body that feels so tired. And you can think of ways you feel physical fatigue as well. Cognitive fatigue to me is where I'm starting to have trouble concentrating or focusing. This often comes for me when I'm sleep deprived or I've been staring at something for way too long. It can also come with illness where it's really hard to focus. If you remember back to school, school days, how hard it was to do work when you were feeling schoolwork, when you were feeling sick how hard it was to study when you weren't feeling well. Again, you can think of your own examples for cognitive fatigue. Emotional fatigue, I think, is, again, a little bit trickier. This is where I find it tends to be more interpersonal for me. So there is a situation that's particularly stressful for you because of the relationship dynamic because of the way you're being treated emotionally, or it's a a very hard situation, can be emotional fatigue. And we see this a lot in caregiving, where we're often facing very emotionally challenging situations, whether it's a very difficult illness, end of life, And all of those things can be hard and emotionally draining. And then sometimes there's also poor treatment by a patient, by other staff, by family members. 
that compound the emotional drain and that can all be very fatiguing. So the reason I bring up these different types of fatigue is they require different types of recovery. So for a physical fatigue, you may need to physically rest. So take time to lie down and put your feet up, not do extra intense exercise or a lot of movement. It doesn't mean doing nothing, but relative rest can be very useful here. Cognitive fatigue, you know, you would take yourself out of situations that require a lot of mental power or brain power. So it could be that while you're resting your mind, you're going for a walk and not thinking about much. Emotional fatigue and emotional recovery requires getting away from the situations that are emotionally draining. So again, it could be doing some physical activity while you're not engaging with that emotionally draining scenario. It could be doing very basic cognitive activity that doesn't have an emotional component to it as well. So things like even as basic as doing a puzzle where you're using your mind to figure it out can be helpful. And what's nice about doing a puzzle for those of us, especially in healthcare, is you actually have a result from your efforts. So again, you have a tangible result of getting something done from the work you've done, which isn't always available to us when we're in these caring professions or when we're going through a major health event, having something tangible to come out of our efforts can be really recovering and spark, spark a lot of good feelings. And I just want to emphasize that recovery is absolutely necessary to functioning and health. And again, I think it's undervalued, underrecognized, but the more we can actually recover, the better we will feel. And ultimately, the more we will be able to take on because we will now have the capacity to do it. All right. So there was our rundown of feeling like not getting anything done, teasing out laziness versus procrastination versus recovery. I hope this information has been helpful for you. Please share your thoughts on this episode in the comments. I would love to see what you have to say. If you would like to talk about any of this in a coaching conversation, I'll have a link for you to sign up for an intro call to understand what the process is like and to get a little coaching on that call. If you're interested in the stress and recovering monitoring, again, we can talk about it on the call or you can look for more information on the health insights page of my website or again in episodes four and five. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you get some beautiful recovery. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. 
If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline.